Are you tired of conflict, drama, fighting, and people problems? Are you ready to learn the simple skills to improve all your relationships and make them thrive? Well, it's easier than you think. Relationship Radio brings you practical advice to be your best and improve your life. We break down the complicated problems and make them simple and easy. And when you know better, you can do better. Here are Master Life Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. Welcome to Relationship Radio on Voice America, where we make healthy relationships simple and easy. Because once you know better, you can do better. I'm Nicole Cunningham. And I'm Kim Giles. We're excited to have you here today. We've got a fun show planned. Yeah, this should be a good one. Uh, After so many years of working in the parenting space, we've, we've come up with a few fundamentals which we think are really important. So in today's show, we're talking about all of the tips and the tricks around parenting. So Nicole, before we jump in to this amazing content that you've prepared today, um, I want to give our listeners a little bit of a disclaimer that, you know, that we, we've raised nine children between us, so we have a little bit of experience. We've got a lot of opinions and ideas And we're going to share them today, but not in a way that we're going to dictate that you must raise your children the way we raised ours. We we aren't going to take that much uh, liberty with your life because we really honor and respect that you as the parent are entitled to some inspiration about the right way to raise your children. And you're the only one entitled to that. And we want to make sure that everyone feels honored for for that truth. Today, So in this episode, we're going to share some proven techniques and skills that have worked for us and with many of our clients with 30 years of coaching families. You know, we've got a few things we think have some value. Yeah. So as you're listening to this today, put it through your own filter. So how does this feel to me? Do we do I feel like this is aligned to my values and to what I think about parenting? All right, let's get into it. Okay, so really what we're, where we're going to go today is we want to talk about parenting from a space of trust and love and accountability, which gives you a platform to guide your children without trying to control them. And, and really what all parents want most is influence, wouldn't you say? We, we want influence to help guide their life towards the best things the best outcome, the most joy in life. And and really having the right mindset to show up in a way that gives you influence, but it, it keeps everything about the child and not about you. Nicole, I always feel when I get into a place where I'm trying to control my kids, it's really about me. It's about getting what I need to make me feel better, to make me feel safe. And it's not necessarily with them in mind. So we're going to we're going to jump into that. Why don't you share with us a little bit about some of the risks of trying too hard to have control? Yeah, I almost think of it as a seesaw. What do you what's the American version of that at the park where no, they go up and down? A seesaw. A seesaw? Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> Just checking. So I think of it like that in that you know what we we need a balance between trust and control because ultimately at the end of the day we are in charge of their well-being and we have a lot of influence. So there is a part that we need to guide, but when we get into controlling our children, we then get into a space where all of this that we are doing is acting on our fear-motivated behavior. We're totally in a triggered space and we're constantly just doing whatever it is that we need to quieten our fears. So I want you to think about it as a seesaw, that trust is one side 
Trust and love is one side that control is the other. And our job is to almost sit in the middle. Have you ever done that? You've had two children on either side and you've stood in the middle of the seesaw and tried to bounce them both. Really, I think that's the best visual I can give for what parenting is. So, Nicole, maybe let's uh, clarify really quick about the fear that we're talking about. And if you haven't listened to our radio shows in the past, you're going to hear a lot about the two core fears that everybody on the planet battles. And we really believe if you look behind any bad behavior, and especially parenting behavior, you're going to find that what's driving the bad behavior is fear of failure, which is really the fear of looking bad or being judged, and the fear of loss. And fear of loss is, is anything that I isn't what I wanted in my life. It's any outcome that isn't what I wanted is a loss. And nobody triggers those fears better than your kids. Yeah, and so there's risks in being in those states and parenting because ultimately everything that we do has consequences. And if we're trying to control our children, we've got to understand that we're not being the parent that they need, we're being the parent that we need, right? And so... When that control comes from fear, we actually have our own ego or our own self-worth or confidence caught up in our children's outcomes. So how many children do you see out there who are playing soccer or they're, you know, in the dance competition or gymnastics competition and their parents on the outside are just yelling at them all the time? Hurry up. Don't miss that one. I actually had had an experience as a child where I witnessed a parent smack a child on my brother's soccer team because he missed the goal as the goalie. And it was such an incredible memory that I still hold it with me now at 34 years old, right? That there was so much investment from those parents in the outcome or that that performance of the child, the achievement of the child, that it was no longer about the child. The child was not in a position where he could actually have any of his own needs. It was all about performance making the parents happy. So I could see both fear of failure and loss in play with that parent. I mean, they really, they had attached their own value to their child's performance. So if my child doesn't play well, it's making me look bad. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing because a lot of us parent and I wonder whether we've done the conscious thought about what kind of parents we want to be because if we don't think that through and we're not super intentional about the kind of parents we're trying to be every single day, we will be the default that our fear triggers us to be. So we'll just be reactive. We'll just let our subconscious programming and our fear drive behavior that is usually not in our child's best interest. Yeah, correct. So I'm not saying that parenting is easy by any means and this default happens to all of us as parents, but if we don't get super intentional about the kind of parents that you want to be, which is I want to be trust and love motivated. I don't want to be in a space where I have an agenda for my child. I want to be enabling them to flourish, which means that my agenda and what I want for them is totally secondary to what it is that they want to create for themselves at any age. Now, Yes, we give guidelines for sure, right? We don't hit other kids on the head with trucks, right? But if we allow that child to have their own experience, that it's their journey, there's already a paradigm shift, which is it's not about me. Mm. It's about them. So, Nicole, I've grown up in a very religious community. And I see a lot of parents who have a great deal of fear about their children not honoring their religious beliefs the way they were raised. And and I really do think that when you have a child that isn't involved in the religion or, or doesn't follow those teachings, whose life goes a different direction, uh, there's a lot of parents that carry a great deal of fear around that. And so they do respond with a lot of control growing up to try to force to make sure that's the outcome they get. 
And, and that's incredibly damaging to a child because a lot of them grow up feeling like the, the beliefs of the church are more important than me. My, my parent doesn't care about who I am and what I need. It's, it's just about fitting in that box so the parent feels safe. And the other ways that that same behavior can happen in the home is attachment to grades, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not even just religious conditioning. It's also that if you're, the grades aren't perfect or the house doesn't look like a museum or they are, don't have the kids that are, you know, in the service project or the ones who are kind to the neighbors. So this introduces a a word that I think is very critical with parenting, which is perfection. Now, let's let's just put that one out there and say perfection doesn't exist. There's no such thing. Yet, how many of us hold these really high, unrealistic expectations for ourselves, which means we then project them onto our children? So, we have to be raising children that think that perfection doesn't exist. Now, and instead, we're validating exertion and effort and willingness. Progress. progress, right? So progress instead of perfection. So the only way for us to drop these unrealistic standards which set ourselves and our children up to fail is to actually not even use that language in our home, right? So I don't use the word perfect with anything with my children because I don't believe perfect exists, not for humans anyway, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm super intentional about any time that they are doing any kind of self-criticism or if even if I'm giving some feedback back, I'm very realistic about, well, this is what my expectations were, Annika, and this is where we got. And do you believe that you gave your best? Well, that's all that matters. Wow. So, Nicole, we found working with families and parents for 30 years combined, that as long as those fears are still driving, you're going to have a really hard time setting that aside and showing up for your child. And I just want to mention, if if you want to learn the secret to getting out of the fear of failure so that you know your value is not tied to your children's performance, if that's an issue for you, we have a whole show on it. We did a show we call Human Behavior 101, where we taught parents how to get that fear out of the way. And same with fear of loss. If you find yourself being a very controlling parent because you're afraid if life doesn't meet those expectations, it's not good enough, our Human Behavior 102 show is one that you definitely should listen to because it teaches you how to get out of fear of loss so you can really show up and feel safe. So the bottom line is, is we have to allow ourselves to parent from a place where we set our children up to succeed. And I want to just talk about a few ways that you can do that. Set realistic expectations and articulate what you expect so that your children can actually make the effort to please you and themselves and to actually succeed. Well, I think a lot of people have a hard time knowing what's realistic. Because, right, uh, perfect kind of just seems like it should be the goal, so, so the, it's again, different with every child. It does, say? yeah, and which means you've got to reward the efforts, not the outcome, and reward the good behavior and the personal achievements that's actually accurate for that child. Nicole, if I know the shape of my child, doesn't that largely help me to see what a realistic expectation in different areas of life would be? Absolutely. So if I know that my star is not particularly gifted intellectually and and academically, then I'm not going to put a lot of influence on that. Instead, I'm going to motivate her to to express herself where she will succeed, which is her artistic, her singing, her dancing, her art. So if you haven't had all of your family members take the 12-shape relationship survey, you're going to want to do that so that you can actually start having more accurate expectations of each of your children. And you can find that at 12shapes.com. The other way to do it is to be really 
really clear about what it is that you will and won't accept as a parent because when children have frameworks, they're far more likely to actually be within that. So this is about healthy boundaries and you know respect within the home. But it's also about ensuring that they know what's expected. So you've got to communicate in a way with which doesn't just always have major amounts of authority. So could you give an example? Because I've watched you do this with your girls and you're just masterful going into any situation, laying out what's expected. So a really common easy one is right we're sitting into we're sitting in the car about to go into the restaurant we're meeting friends there Uh, can we just remind each other how we behave in a restaurant now we sit down and we're courteous to the waiter and we use an inside voice and if you need help you ask for it and you don't go to the toilet alone mummy will take you so just setting really clear expectations so that they can thrive and then succeed because now they know how to meet your expectations where they could feel totally lost about what that would look like. Yeah, and then on the other end of that, we then reward the good behavior back in the car at the end of it, going, wow, girls, I'm so proud of you. You did such a great job. This is all about self-regulation. Hey, we have to take a break, but I'm going to get into further levels of self-regulation. What does that mean with parenting after the break? Stay with us. You're with Nicole and Kim on Voice America. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Why does my marriage have to be so hard? How do I get my teen to communicate without drama? Why is my boss such a jerk? Why is my mother-in-law so controlling? If you want the answers to these questions and many more, you must read the new book, called The People's Guidebook for Great Relationships. It's a small book and a quick read, but packed with the information you've always needed to understand and get along with all the people in your life. Master Life Coaches Nicole and Kim show you how to resolve conflicts and what language to use with each of your children to build more meaningful connections. In this new book, they reveal their life-changing 12 Shapes People Science and teach you about yourself and other people on the level that changes everything. Get your copy of the People Guidebook for Great Relationships at 12shapes.com. Again, the number 12shapes.com. Most companies have an existing accounting and finance department which are very capable of handling their day-to-day workload. However, all companies have extra or lingering projects from time to time. Now CFO provides extra professionals as an extension of your current team for those times. We help push accounting and finance projects across the finish line. We can also backfill full-time finance and accounting positions on an interim basis. Now CFO is a fully scalable outsourced solution. Throttle our hours up or down depending on your needs. Now CFO consultants work under your guidance at your location so you can oversee the hours we put in. We are engaged to deliver a solution. Visit nowcfo.com to learn more or call NowCFO at 1-855-669-2361 to schedule a free consultation today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at upskillrelationships.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Relationship Radio with Kim and Nicole. Hey, before we jump back into this amazing information about parenting today, I want to just take a quick moment and thank our sponsor of the show, Now CFO. And we love these guys not only because they sponsored the show, but they are amazing at coming in and being an outsourced accounting expert in your business. And if you have a business, small or large, and your books are a mess as ours were before we found now CFO, you want to give them a call and, and and let them bring in an expert that knows exactly how to get everything put together and, and make sure your books are right. Okay, so Nicole, before the break, we were talking about uh, how to set realistic expectations with our children and especially in specific situations so that they are clear on the behavior that's expected of them and then how to reward that after the fact so that you're parenting with positive um, affirmation instead of punishment and always being negative. Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to giving your children the opportunity to please you. Not because they should please you, but because they, you're actually modeling accurate and healthy behavior that you want them to have as adults. So this parenting thing's the long game. Right. So if you've, you've got children under five and you're still in the, the thick of that, you think, goodness me, it's all about tantrums. It's not about tantrums. OK, it might feel like that, but it's actually about boundaries at that age. And in the tweens and teens, it's about modeling that accurate behavior about what you will and you won't allow so they become good citizens. And when they're in their 20s and their 30s, it's about being that sounding board so they can make accurate decisions. So we're actually building good people here from the minute they come out. Right. And if we have that long game in mind, it is that's a really critical piece. So every time that I'm wanting my children to do something, it's because it's not just important to me, but it's important to people on the planet. It's about respect. It's about consideration for others. It's about this is what is expected in life. If I'm allowing my children to not participate according to those guidelines, I'm setting them up for a lot of failure. Do you think it makes a difference that you ex- take the time to explain to your child that that's what we're going for? Absolutely. I, I sit, for example, we went to a choral concert on Sunday morning last, um, and, and it was a, a, rec- a live recording. So the, the children could have no noise. And so I had coloring books and I'd done all of that accurate, realistic preparation. But I had a conversation in the lobby. I'd had a conversation two days earlier to say, girls, that we're doing this and it not, might not be particularly fun for you, but this is about mummy having a turn and doing something that she wants to do. And this is, this is what has to happen. This is why. And then on the end of it, I was just like, I'm so proud of you. Uh, thank you so much for doing that for me. I, it was such a wonderful gift that you could give me that I could go. And I didn't reward it with stuff. I just rewarded it with praise and, and validation for their good behavior. Because I'm every time they do something, if I go and buy them donuts or ice cream or I take them out for a movie, then it's actually about a reward. This is about... Uh, an expectation and gosh I really am valuing that kindness that you showed me that's a completely different level of um, praise for a child yeah and Nicole we both believe that we can influence them more through being positive and encouraging and pointing out their strengths and how amazing they are and what good people they are we find that the more we encourage children in their good behavior it pushes them towards more of that much better than nagging and being disappointed and mad 
does. Yeah, absolutely. And because none of us like to receive that. And this is where, yes, they're little people, but but as an adult, I don't like to receive that kind of feedback. So again, I'm playing the long game and I'm actually coaching my children and giving them an opportunity to have control when it when it doesn't really matter, right? So that then they do have a say, but then there's, there's times and places that, you know what, this is the rule and this is the expectation. And because I'm not controlling them within an inch of their life, they're then more likely to please themselves and me and be socially appropriate. Okay, so Nicole, one other fear-based behavior that we do see a lot when parents are parenting from fear of failure and loss is comparing your child with other children, maybe with their sibling or with other children in the neighborhood. So this is actually, I think, the biggest gift with the 12 shape relationship system, don't you think, Kim, that parents are saying for, for the first time I've understood why my child is unique and different and why they, they're a little bit different from the others. Because we all know that we need to parent our children individually, but we don't know how. But understanding your child's shape then un- helps you understand what it is that they're motivated by, motivated by, what kind of praise and significance that, that they require. And it's just completely a game changer. It absolutely is. And and we're so passionate about all people need this lesson that, that you're okay as you are. You don't have to be what other people are. You just have to be the best version of you. That's good for us as adults and even parents. And that's where once you know your family shape and you can actually, you know, get our book, um, the People Guidebook, or you can print out the PDFs on the website, you can actually say, you know what, this is how mummy's different from you. And so it's important to mummy that, that that these things are important and this is why you do this for me. And I know this is important and this is why I do it for you. It opens up a completely different discussion and it makes sure that every single person in the home is getting what they need and being validated in the way that they need it. So, the comparison to others is really damaging because really none of us can be compared, right? There's boys and there's girls and there's ages and stages. But at the end of the day, we're all here for a unique individual journey. And I really believe that if parents are motivated to find out what that is for each child and set them up to really follow their truth and be able to set them up to succeed, create the the right accurate choices for them according to what it is that they value, what's important to them, you will have a child that at 18 and 19 knows their place in the world, which means they're less likely to be at risk of mental illness and suicide and getting into the wrong crowds and being um, influenced by peer pressure. If they know what they're here for and their why, that's a parent's role, I believe. And the 12 Shapes helps you do that. Yeah. So, Nicole, you, I hear you use the term often teach your child to self-regulate. And I've actually thought at times we may have listeners that don't know exactly what that means. Will you explain really what you mean by that term? So self-regulation is the ability to read accurately the social cues of the environment in which they're in which is, you know what, we go out for dinner and you don't run around the restaurant because it's not okay, right? It's not acceptable behavior. So this is about motivating children to, to have self-discipline, self-regulation, and to be in a position where they are managing themselves accurately. Now, this is going to be mean different things behaviorally for every single age group, but this is far better than children being imposed with right and wrong and then punishment and consequences as a result. Now, self-regulation is not something that teachers can teach anymore. They're too busy teaching all of the curriculum. So these are actually life skills where you can educate as you go about your life and say, well, this is what is socially acceptable and how do you feel about it and open up some discussion in your home. So we have to give them basic 
skills around self-regulation. So goal setting, accountability, following through with tasks, time management. And the best way for you to teach that to your children is actually to model it accurately yourself. So ask yourself, you know what, am I the parent, and this is without any judgment, but Am I the parent that runs in late every single day to school? Well, they're learning that it's okay to watch, you know, television or to be late or to to not be prepared for things, which means later on in life, if they're exhibiting those behaviors where they're late for everything and they can't hold down a job and all the rest of it, well, where did they learn that stuff? And this isn't about guilting parents. This is about saying, well, what are you modeling your children? Because they do what we do. They don't do what we say. Oh, wow. Um, You know, the modeling good behavior, that's one we all need to keep working on because we've all got our fear stuff. We all get reactive and, and we are showing our children an immature version of ourselves. And I also think they lose respect for us. I, I've i watched children watch parents who are out of control emotionally or angry. And, and it's obvious to them that this behavior isn't appropriate, even at a young age. So, wouldn't you say one of the best things that we could do for our children to become a better parent is work on our own fear triggers? Yeah, I remember when my children were very, very small, probably one and three, making a very intentional, conscious decision to be an authentic parent. And that was, and what that means to me is that I was going to let them cry, let them see me cry. I was going to let them see me be angry. I was, And then I was going to be in a position where if I overreacted to something, I was going to go in and say, look, I'm really sorry. My behavior wasn't accurate in that, in you know, incident, and I overreacted here. If I can show that humanness, that you know what, I have those slip ups too. All of a sudden, I'm authentic and real to them because one day I'm going to be in the ground, and they're going to have memories of me, and I don't want them to be memories of my mother was trying to be perfect and keep up with the Joneses, or my my mother was always in a situation where you know her expectations was this. I want them to say, I know my mother, I knew my mother, and this is what was important to her, and this is the things that used to make her happy and, and things that used to make her sad. If, if the only gift I can give my children is truly being authentic and accountable for my own rights and wrongs and my own mistakes, there is no purer role model than that. So, Nicole, I always worry when we talk about this that we've got parents out there who hear a show like this and they're just beginning to feel more and more discouraged about all the mistakes they've made. And to be honest, I feel like parenting is the most guilt-ridden exercise because no matter how hard I try to do it well, I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to always wish that I had been a better parent than I am, right? We're never going to be perfect. Um, Hearing you talk about apologizing to your child and letting them know that you're still learning and that you may not handle things right. And I think a lot of people feel like I need my child to respect me so it's better that I don't admit when I'm wrong. But I actually think the opposite is true, and I know you agree with me, that the inner strength, the character that our children see when we sincerely apologize for not knowing better and struggling as we learn, that may be one of the most powerful lessons you could give them. Absolutely. And there's there's some of the shapes that will take advantage of that as a child and be manipulative with that. So you're going to do less of that with those children. Okay. And so rhombuses are one of them, right? Um, and and so you're going to need to know that and triangles and rectangles, right? So those ones, you're going to do less of that. But the circles and the hearts and the arrows and, and the ovals and the stars are going to want you to be real and apologize and accountable for how you made them feel. So if you can do that authentically, it's such a beautiful expression of love. 
Mm, that's so true. Okay. Um, what we're really dancing around here is learning to become emotionally resilient and help our children. So I know we've got to go to another break. When we get back, can we dig in a little deeper on how to become emotionally resilient and how to help your children learn to do that? Absolutely. Let's get into it after we come back. You're here with Relationship Radio with Nicole and Kim. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Why does my marriage have to be so hard? How do I get my teen to communicate without drama? Why is my boss such a jerk? Why is my mother-in-law so controlling? If you want the answers to these questions and many more, you must read the new book, called The People's Guidebook for Great Relationships. It's a small book and a quick read, but packed with the information you've always needed to understand and get along with all the people in your life. Master Life Coaches Nicole and Kim show you how to resolve conflicts and what language to use with each of your children to build more meaningful connections. In this new book, they reveal their life-changing 12 Shapes People Science and teach you about yourself and other people on a level that changes everything. Get your copy of the People Guidebook for Great Relationships at 12shapes.com. Again, the number 12shapes.com. Most companies have an existing accounting and finance department which are very capable of handling their day-to-day workload. However, all companies have extra or lingering projects from time to time. Now CFO provides extra professionals as an extension of your current team for those times. We help push accounting and finance projects across the finish line. We can also backfill full-time finance and accounting positions on an interim basis. Now CFO is a fully scalable outsourced solution. Throttle our hours up or down depending on your needs. Now CFO consultants work under your guidance at your location so you can oversee the hours we put in. We are engaged to deliver a solution. Visit NowCFO.com to learn more or call NowCFO at 1-855-669-2361 to schedule a free consultation today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at upskillrelationships.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back, everyone, on the Empowerment Channel on Voice America. We're excited to be with you today talking about parenting and when we when we stopped for the break, we were talking about how to become more emotionally resilient, how to teach our children to become emotionally resilient. Boy, Nicole, I wish they taught this stuff in school. 
They should teach it every year and all the way through grad school because we all need to learn more skills to process the emotions that come up in life because life's hard. It is. And so this is, again, about setting your your children up to be good, healthy, adaptable adults. So, again, long game in mind. So I've got four ways in which we coach and, and we teach our clients to build emotional resiliency in their children. The first one is remind yourself and your family member that they all have the same value all the time and it never changes, which means that if they just prang the car, right? It doesn't change their value. And just so you know, in Australian, praying to the car means you crash the car. Yeah, sorry, crash the car. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Uh, if if they just dropped, you know, uh, the cup out of the dishwasher, right? Shatters all, Shatters over, all the over the floor. Or they received a C on their test or an F on their test, or they just had an altercation with their brother, or they had a fight with the neighbor. No matter what it is that happens in their little worlds, it doesn't change their value. And the best way to model this is to be okay when you have your own mistakes. Now, I have to tell you, I had a childhood friend and I would go over to her house and I would play there. And every time that something went wrong, I would watch her mother get into the biggest tears and she'd slam doors and she'd bang cupboards. It was actually a really overwhelming thing for me to experience. I remember being about 10 or 11 and I was like, wow, so when something bad happens, it's scary because that's what I learned. And I remember having to go back to my mom and process that. Now, we didn't do it with any judgment because we all do things differently. But again, if you can show that adaptability, that resiliency when things happen in your own life. So whenever I prang the car, I just go, wow, that's an interesting lesson. I don't huff and puff and carry on. And now it's going to cost me all this money and it's pain. And that person did. And, you know, you it was their you fault. You don't do drama when you prang the car? I really don't. I I probably did when I was a teenager the first time it happened, but now I've got little people watching me and I take that incredibly seriously. And really in those moments to actually say out loud, boy, I'm glad that didn't affect my value. I still have the same value as everybody else is really powerful. You know, our kids have picked up on this to the point now that anybody who makes a mistake in the house, somebody yells that out. Hey, well, at least it didn't change your value. That, that does give so much emotionally resilience because it takes failure and not being good enough off the table for everybody in your home. And it normalizes making mistakes and being unbalanced because that is normal because perfect doesn't exist. So that's my number two, detach from perfection. It doesn't exist. It's like the holy grail. It's the unicorn. It's not real. So drop perfection out of your language, out of your expectations. Do make 2018 the world, the, the year of perfectionism detox, right? <laughs> Get rid of everything that represents perfectionism in your parenting, in yourself, right? So bad hair day Days are fine. They don't change your value. Oh, I love that. I, I think it is really powerful to celebrate when they win, but also celebrate when they lose or they make a mistake because we get to learn. Um, I know there's a song out there that I, I love that says you either win some or you learn some. I think it's, uh, oh, I can't remember who the, <laughs> the artist but that's is. A, but, that's a beautiful but message. Really, if yeah. we could see everything that way, there is no loss. So the best way to communicate that is when something bad happens in their life and they're disappointed, they didn't get uh, chosen for the school play or, you know, that, that something didn't meet their expectations. You say, you know what, there's no bad experience. It's always going to be a good experience because of a good outcome or it's going to be a good experience because you learn from it. 
Oh, I love that. Okay, so we've talked about celebrate their wins and losses. Get rid of perfectionism. Make sure everybody knows their value is not tied to anything that happens. You got one more. Yeah, and, and this is teach your children to be compassionate people. Right? So when you see somebody in on the side of the road who's suffering, give them a few dollars. Right? Consciously model every few weeks kindness from you. Because if your children grow up to be kindness, compassionate people, they will be emotionally resilient because they you haven't locked them in a bubble of their own level of entitlement, you know, where where they don't understand the real world. So I I'd spend a lot of time looking for ways that I can show generosity and compassion to other people where my children actually are a part of it. And I'm a, a part of a networking group that we meet every single Tuesday. Day and we're um, supporting the Children's Justice Centre, a really important charity here in Utah that protects and is the first line of defence for abused children. Now, I consciously go to Costco once a week with my children for them to buy snacks or drinks or, you know, colouring books that I donate every single Tuesday. Now, that's been a very intentional parenting decision that you are lucky that you're not in those circumstances, but you can show compassion to other kids that are not by doing this. And I let them choose every single week, what, do you, what are we going to give to the kids this week, mm, right? Now, so I don't need a halo or a goody-goody badge. That's not why I'm sharing this story. I'm saying I'm getting intentional about my parenting, teaching them to be kind, compassionate, looking at the world around them and making a decision to actually contribute to that. So you're not only teaching them kindness, you're really teaching them gratitude. And I remember on Halloween, I got to go trick-or-treating with you and the girls, and it was so fun. But at one point, uh, I think Annika got a candy or something that was bigger than the one Elise got. And she started to kind of complain and whinge about, wait a minute, this isn't fair. And and it was so beautiful. You looked at her and you said, it sounds like someone's having a gratitude problem. And she immediately knew, and I knew watching the way you said it, that if she wasn't grateful for what she had, she was going to lose that too. You've been so intentional about helping your children not be entitled and to really feel grateful for whatever they have. Maybe we could spend a few minutes. I know there's a lot of parents in, in the world today, our kids are spoiled really they have it very good and and what are some ways we could help our children be less entitled yeah i have to tell you that we um we publish um nat- in, in national publications several times a week and we obviously have the radio show we re- this is one of the number one emails that we receive is how do i make sure that my kids are actually not becoming entitled because our kids are at great risk of of having that today because they just have access to too much, too much stuff. So possessions, technology, and too much freedom, too much money, too much independence. And again, these are the, what we see. Um, and there's that too much of anything creates an attitude of expectation entitlement that it's always going to be there. And so it takes us as parents being super intentional to not continue that and sustain that kind of too much right? And so children that are given too much and who have the opportunity to abuse that, they don't learn things such as work ethic, respect for people, compassion for people who don't have those things. And so it takes a lot of intentional um, work and effort to, to, to curb that. And one of the ways that I find is really valuable of doing that is actually not allowing the things that they have access to be 
a given. It's actually a privilege. So technology, for example, when you you make the decision as parents that your child, child needs to get onto electronics or get, have a mobile phone, it's really understand, good to have a conversation and say, this is not a necessity. It's actually a privilege. And so don't expect it always to be there. Set up good parenting contracts. Um, make them actually contribute to it financially, either through chores and things like that. Um, but really create limitation and boundaries on these things so they realize it's not always going to be there. And that's a hard one today. I think um, every parent would admit they probably let technology babysit their kids a little more than they should because, right, we've got things to do and it's such an easy way to entertain them. But it, it takes a lot more effort to not use technology as much and to actually invest in some other ways to entertain your children. Do you have any suggestions? So I actually have a limit and a rule of, of the time in my house, but if they want to have more because they're working on something specific like a Roblox creation or they're building something in Minecraft, I'll actually give them an opportunity to earn more time with me. And they'll earn it by reading more chapters of their book or doing extra spelling words or more time on their preparation for the piano recital, right? So I actually am rewarding exertion and effort in things that I would prefer them to be doing it. And then I reward with technology time. So I don't, for every parent, the amount of time is going to be a little bit different, but but what do you think is a reasonable amount of screen time? I know there's a lot of parents out there that are are wondering if if they're doing too much or... What, what do you think? Because we really don't know the effect of the screen time yet, right? Our children. The, this are, generation's the crash dummies, right? Yeah, They've been the ones being tested. Things. So the way that I've done it is I've actually, I have a word jar in my home and I'm very strict about what they can do and can't do. So I don't just have them on, you know, everyday kind of apps. Mine are very educational. My kids are homeschooled so that we have a lot of homeschool apps with maths and science and all that kind of thing. So for me, there's an hour and a half of screen time that's actually curriculum based because they're homeschooled. But then outside of that the recreation they earn half an hour increments and the way I do it is they actually pick out of the word jar and I have things like flowers and and music and ice cream and puppies and I have all of these nouns and what I do is I say right choose four words from the word jar and then go and build something in Roblox or Minecraft according to the words that you had in the jar so it's a creative experience. Oh, I love that because I really, my kids grew up a little bit before the screens were, and you know, you'd give them a pile of stick and some rocks and they can entertain themselves to build things. And I do worry sometimes that children today aren't getting the chance to use their imaginations as much. So So that's been a way that I've actually done the imagination, right? The other thing that I do is that on the weekends, two hours of screen time is maximum. Otherwise, they're socializing with kids in in the neighborhood on technology. Right. And that's other parents have different values around that. They're quite happy for their kids to be on a lot of tech. I'm not. So I'm like, right, you guys have played this much tech either at their house or my house. Uh, now we need to be finding other activities to do. And so we get out the craft box or we play ponies and things like that. So I'm quite intentional about that. But also just finishing up this whole entitlement thing, uh, more than anything, it's about making them work and earn things that are actually important right? So ask yourself, what is it that I'm providing for them and what framework and guidelines in which they can participate in those things so that I don't take take an advantage of and that they actually have some skin in the game? Oh, these are amazing tips. So um, as far as the entitlement, um, we also, when we're working with teens, I, I think often we're really shocked at the the 
access to a car, the, the cell phones, and all of that that a lot of parents probably give without a lot of work or effort to maintain it, which is teaching, which is really setting these kids up with an unrealistic expectation about what it takes in the world to have nice things. Is there some suggestions that you have around that? I do. I do. Uh, more than anything, it's about making them see you enjoy your work to to establish a healthy work ethic. If you're complaining all the time about your work and that you don't want to be there and how hard it is, well, they're going to learn that hard work isn't fun. So again, this is about what it is that you're role modeling and making sure that you're constantly spending time validating. I'm so grateful that I have... Uh, you know, I have a job that gives me this. I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity that this money buys me this. And I've had to do this with my children being a single mum. I've had to say, you know what, I, I don't want to hear you complaining about the fact that I work because the work gives us the lifestyle that enables us to do fun things. And and mummy loves her work and she makes a difference. And I, you know, I, I do this and I love this. So they're realizing that hard work doesn't necessarily mean misery, Right. So therefore, if when the time comes when they're going to have cars and when they're going to have, um, you know, cell phones and they're going to they're going to be paying board because it's going to be, well, you know what? Mummy does all of this stuff so you can have all of this stuff. And it's and I'm, it's the right age for you to be getting those things. But you've got to have some skin in the game. You know, show me that you validate my time in earning and enabling these things. So I actually talk to my teenage kids quite often about my job to prepare them to survive in the world. And if I provide a car and a cell phone and gas and all of the stuff where there's no work on your part to earn it, I'm not teaching you how the real world works. So really, if I love you, I've got to make sure that you're working to contribute to have that privilege, to have those things. Now, I've heard you do some really amazing parent contracts with a, with a teen around this kind of technology and cars. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So again, this is a, co- a contract that is stating my positive expectations of you. Now, I know that they're teenagers, so they're actually going to fail. <laughs> they're not going to turn their phone in at 9 o'clock at night. They're going to try and abuse their Wi-Fi privileges. And they're going to spend the money they were supposed to spend on their phone bill or whatever on occasion and not have it. Yeah. So, I'm doing these parenting contracts with an intention or an expectation they're going to fail because this is a learning experiment. Right. This is a learning opportunity for them and me. So we have healthy communication. There's no slamming doors and raised voices in my home about phone bills. Right. So I'm very intentional about this is what my guidelines are. And this comes down to what it is that you feel is appropriate or not. And you're going to put your own things in there. But um, I'm actually going to to recommend that they come onto our website, 12shapes.com, where I'm going to have a example of a parenting contract there for all of these listeners to download. Now, don't take it as a guarantee. Right. But but take it as a framework and then you can take out some things and put other things in. I think that'd be valuable for our listeners. So we'll put that PDF on our website 12shapes.com but what I'm doing is I'm stating in these contracts this yes we're getting your phone or yes you have use of the car these are my limitations so curfew financial contribution consequences if it gets broken damaged you know they're in a prang I'm going to have all of that in there and then I'm going to have a consequence for if these things are not respected you're going to lose it and you're going to lose it for x amount of time 
so a week or two weeks. And then at the end of that time that you've done the time because you did the crime, we're going to come back and we're going to try again with the same parental contract. So I'm not changing the ball game constantly so that the teen says, well, nothing's ever good enough for you. I'm saying, no, these are my expectations because I've really intentionally thought about what I value around this experience for both of us. And every time that you slip up, there's going to be a consequence, but we're going to go back and we're going to try. Now, if you've set it up like that with a contract, it also helps, I think, so that you don't respond emotionally, you don't get angry, you don't berate the child. You can very calmly just say, this is what was agreed upon, so this is the consequence, and I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get that money in, and you won't be able to have the phone for, for three weeks, but you know what? You can do better next time, and, and it takes away a lot of the anger parenting, which is really what we want to get away from. And also all of the shame for the child right? Because they are lunar drivers, okay? They're going to prank the car at some point. And I have to tell you, we have this um, this phrase in our coaching with parents that I want to facilitate a fall. And I want to talk about that a little bit, Kim, that I would rather them fail under my roof and have their first broken heart and prank the car the first time and get themselves into trouble. You know, I'd rather do that where they're under my safe roof and then we can work through it together and I can support them through that experience than when they're at college or living with a boyfriend or married and then... I'm actually not part of helping them move through that in a healthy way. And so, again, if I'm giving them the opportunity to fail and make mistakes but love them anyway and it doesn't change their value, because if I go in there with unrealistic expectations and say, right, we're going to have you this car and you're never going to prank it, I mean, really, were you not 18 yourself, (laughs) right? Um, And how many phones did I break between, you know, 18 and 25, right? And drop into toilet bowls and, you know, and how many times did I late for curfew and all of those things, but I don't do it anymore, right? Because I, I was given the opportunity to learn from my mistakes instead of just feel like that made me a bad person. So when we facilitate a fall in our home, we can actually do it in an environment where the consequences are maybe a little less serious. I'd rather have my child not pay their phone bill with me and I turn their phone off for three weeks than have them do that in the real world as they're setting out on their own and having it hit their credit. And the lessons become more expensive the older the child gets. So we want to facilitate those falls as young as possible, don't we? Yeah, so one of the ones that I work with so much um, with parents is the whole dropping out of school thing. And then mum and dad are so desperate about them getting through high school and their grades being right that they then keep purchasing these packets here in America where, you know, this is is the the uh, the curriculum that has to be done. You can do it at home to catch up to catch up. I actually have a really firm view on that for my kids. If it was my kids, and I try to get this across and and pose it to parents as an option to say that's enabling. Right. In the same way that if my child works at Arby's and I know their shift starts at ten to, at five, sorry, and it's ten minutes to five right now, um, am I going to go in and remind them? right? Or am I going to start reminding them an hour to go and say at four o'clock, we're leaving at quarter two. And remember, we need to be there on time. I'm not going to change my plans and get them to Arby's at five o'clock. I'm going to say, this is on you. These are all life skills, right? So if you don't choose to participate in high school, I'm going to give you one chance with one of those packets, but I'm not going to continue to buy extensions for you. Again, there's, there's a lot of enabling that parents do because they're so afraid of the outcome. Yeah, I would actually prefer to, to make them responsible for getting to work on time. And if they don't and they get fired, let that happen now. 
the lesson is less expensive now at this age than it will be later. And, and don't you also agree with me that we have to teach kids to be responsible for themselves. And if we make it our responsibility to get their phone bill paid or to get them to work on time, they'll let us. They'll let you be the one responsible for it and they won't own it. So really, we kind of have to let go and, and give them the rope to hang themselves to some degree so that they can learn that lesson. If we start to control it all the time and prevent that, we're really not teaching them to be responsible adults. So again, the long game, I've said that a few times in today's episode, Kim, the long game is to have healthy, functional adults when you're not here. So what is it that I need to teach them that are truly life skills and facilitate a few falls underneath my roof that's all going to be loving without judgment, but with firm and fair consequences? This is really how we get through those teens. And we start doing that now. I mean, I know you watch me do that with my young kids all the time, firm and fair, and they miss out. And they, and if the consequence is accurate and it's child specific, you only ever have to do it once. Oh, that's so true. Okay, Nicole, before we end the show today, I want to go back to the 12 shapes a little bit because I have to tell you, it's been an absolute game changer for my parenting. Now, my children are a lot older than yours. They're 27, 25, 22, and 19. But I have to admit, most of my children are arrows. And then I've got one star. And It breaks my heart now when I look back and see how I tried to parent her as an arrow like the rest of them. And my expectations for her were based on what worked with my other kids. And as soon as you showed me the star profile and explained the way my child is wired, I've been such a better mother. I'm having realistic expectations and I also understand her currency. And that's so important for parents to know. Talk a little bit about how the shapes explain your child's currency and why you need to know that. So another word for currency is leverage. And it's not because we're trying to manipulate our children, but I want to be using consequences and things that are actually going to be motivating. So for the people that are on that star, the the star and the The rhombus rhombus and the triangle triangle who are on those things line, they're motivated by things. So they're, they're much more financially and stuff driven. So that might be why you're having issues with them trying to abuse stuff. Uh, for the the shapes that are on the task line, and this is all on our website, 12shapes.com, they are more about, well, if I take away their opportunity to go to karate this week because you haven't finished the assignment, right? So because it's their performance and they're doing in the world that makes a difference. For the shapes that are on the people line, it's about connection with others. It's a matter of, I'm sorry, you haven't done the cytology homework. You're not going to the birthday party because it's their connection with people that they value the most. And so if we understand that leverage, we're not going to manipulate it. That's not what it's about, but I'm going to actually use the consequence. We're going to set those realistic expectations and make the consequences, if that's not met, very child-specific according to what they value the most. All of a sudden, that completely opens up this new healthy dialogue and you'll get the outcomes that you're really needing for them to learn those lessons. So again, if you haven't read our book, The People Guidebook, it's available on our website, 12shapes.com, and also our free relationship surveys on there. You're going to want to share it with every everyone in your life. And I think it's such a fun thing to do around this time of year with Christmas and all the family gatherings. It's, it's available on your phone. Another way that you can get it actually to get the survey directly text to you is 801-666-2932. And if you actually text 12 shapes, so one, two shapes to that number, 801-666-2932, you'll get the survey sent directly to your phone and you can share it from there. 
Okay, and you also can call or contact us, and we do private sessions with families to look at the shape of all their kids and give them some advice on their parenting, and we'd love to work with you. Yeah. So we've run out of time. What a fun show. I think we're going to have to do some more stuff on parenting. Uh, But thank you for joining us today. We hope this has been valuable. Uh, And join us again next week on Relationship Radio with Nicole and Kim. Thank you for being a part of Relationship Radio. We hope you've not only received some great ideas to improve the relationships in your life, but we'll join Master Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles again next Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a wonderful week.